Welcome back to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. We hope everyone had an amazing 4th of July, and we have a lot to talk about today. We have the ongoing Canelo Alvarez saga as he seeks for an opponent. We have Ryan Garcia making some moves and possibly getting closer to finalizing his return. We have the zone schedule, and then Lance and I are going to dive into top ranks ratings um, and what they mean for the sport and sports return during COVID. But first, Lance, let's start with Canelo Alvarez, obviously the biggest star in the sport, our pound-for-pound number one fighter. Uh, we reported over the weekend that Sergey Derevyanchenko has offers on the table to fight either Jamal Charlo or Canelo Alvarez. The Alvarez fight, of course, would be at 168. Charlo would be at 160. Which route do you think he's going to go? Which route should he go? I hope that he goes after Canelo. I thought that Sergey um, uh, put on a, a great display of his heart and his will in overcoming some uh, early drama and punishment against Gennady Golovkin in October to come uh, come back and make that a hell of a fight. And in fact, I mean, you could you could have easily made the case that Devorchenko won that fight. And look, I mean, this is a guy who who has proven that he's not going to back down, and and certainly he's going to be dealing with some significant power and uh, and skill when he faces Canelo Alvarez. But I believe the just the uh, the guts of this guy, and along with the, you know his his uh, his skill, is going to make this the best fight possible, Mike, for Canelo. I know that may be a uh, a strong statement that you and m- many others may may not agree with. But honestly, when I think of a landscape that would put Billy Joe Saunders or Colm Smith or, or even Jermall Charlo against Canelo Alvarez, I think that I would rather see Sergey Devorchenko just, just because of what I saw in the ring at Madison Square Garden. You know, you were there that night. Uh, I mean, am I, am I off base in that reasoning? Not off base at all. Uh, you know, Drevinchenko is battle-tested at this point. He pushed Daniel Jacobs to the limit and lost a close decision there in October of 2018. I thought he beat Triple G. I didn't think it was a robbery, but you know it was one of the best fights of the year, and that was because of Derevyanchenko's relentless pressure. Uh, it was a brutal fight. So Derevyanchenko deserves a big fight, and he's going to get one. He's going to fight one of those two next. That's what I've been told. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we caught up with Billy Joe Saunders last week after our podcast ran, the man who was signed to fight Canelo Alvarez on May 2nd, and he told us that he is no longer – going to be in consideration for the fight. He doesn't want to fight Canelo in September. He wants a, a full training camp and the money's an issue as well. So look, what do you think? What do you I, think of that, Mike? I mean, I mean, to me, it's like, this is the fight of your lifetime. I, I know that there's some uh, situations that you, you're half, having to confront, but if you can't get up or, or try to make this fight, I mean, what are you waiting for in your life? It's a risky proposition for Billy Joe, because you're right. It's not like he can't guarantee that Canelo fight is going to be there when he feels he's ready. Now, I understand in boxing, you know, he hasn't fought since November. He fought, um, he didn't fight a great fight. I was in Los Angeles. I'm the Logan Paul, the infamous Logan Paul KSI undercard. But uh, he didn't look great. And, you know, maybe he said he hasn't been able to train properly during the pandemic, he told us. He told us that he had to take care of his elderly grandparents. He is training now in Spain alongside Josh Taylor with Ben Davison, the former trainer of Tyson Fury. And they made the decision as a team that he's going to come back in October in a tune-up fight and then try to chase a big fight in December. Um, and he mentions he singled out Callum Smith and Demetrius Andre as opponents. Um, you know, whether Canelo is there or not, I, I, I tend to doubt in December. But, you know, Billy Joe's talking about fighting Canelo next year. Well, who knows if he's going to be there next year? We anticipate 
Canelo fighting Triple G a third time in May if it actually does finally happen. So you're right. If you're Billy Joe, you, you possibly are losing the opportunity uh, once and for all to fight the biggest star in the sport. But um, back to the Red Yanchenko for a second. You said you would rather see him fight Canelo. I, I think I would rather see him fight Charlo. And the reason for that is, and this is a conditional answer, if we can get another proper opponent for Canelo, Charlo finally needs to fight somebody. Charlo's a guy who I think is really good and pretty underrated and can be a star. But Jamal Charlo's resume is pretty weak, and it's especially weak at middleweight. I mean, at 54, he fought Austin Trout and also Julian Williams, who we knocked out. At, at 60, I mean, we're looking at guys like Jorge Highland, Hugo Centeno, um, Brandon Adams, Dennis Hogan in his last fight. I mean, these are guys right. that are not top 10 middleweights. So for Jamal Charlo to be able to fight someone like Dragonchenko and once and for all prove his medal, I think would be huge. But that's just, I, I want to see that, especially since it's not, it's not Sergey Dragonchenko's better weight. You know, I think he's really a better 54 pounder, even though he's never fought there. He's just a, he's just a very small 160. For him yeah. to go to 68 to fight Canelo, I would rather see him fight Charlo. Um, I think it's a fascinating fight, but. And that's the route I think he's going to go. I think we're going to see him go after that Charlo fight. I'm pretty confident. Let's, let's, you know, just, yeah. No, I was going to say, let's dig in on that, on that subject, Mike, because, look, you talk to a lot of people in the game, as I do, and there's a big sentiment out there alluding to everything that you just said about the, uh, Jamal Charlo's resume. A lot of people, and I know it's hard to say this about a, a world champion, but they believe that this guy is a, they're, they're convinced this guy is a fraud, um, that he is, you know, going to be exposed once he fights a real fighter. I think the question is, is, is Sergey Demirchenko that fighter? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously if he can conquer him the way he's gotten past, you know, this, this very unimpressive list of opponents that he's had in the past, then clearly he is a guy that does deserve a, a shot at Canelo Alvarez. But right now, I have I see this guy, you know, as a lot of the people in the business do, as someone who has been really babied and coddled by Al Heyman and really protected to the point of, you know, now he he truly does have nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. He needs a significant fight to really show exactly how good he is. Right. And, and exactly. And look, I, you're right. I've heard the same things from a lot of people. Some people swear that Charles is legit and, you know, is everything we think he is, great power. Great boxing IQ, uh, great size and strength. And then there's other people you talk to who are just aren't that impressed and think he'll get exposed. I'm, I'm in the other camp. I think Charles is going to rise to the occasion and prove his worth when he does step up in competition. So for that reason, I want to see the Drevianchenko fight and hope that Canelo fights somebody worthy. But look, Lance, this is kind of the issue with boxing, right? I mean, in the UFC, which you've covered a lot more than I have, we have Kamaru Usman fighting Jorge Masvidal on like a week's notice in <laughs> a you know a huge fight. In boxing, that never happens. And not only does it not happen, we can't even get the fights we want to see with five months' notice. Like, why isn't Jamal Charlo fighting Canelo? In a perfect world, that would be the fight, right? No doubt about it. I mean, it, it absolutely should be happening. Um, uh, and we know the reasons why it's not happening is because these guys are uh, – uh, adhere to their party lines and they're very, very reluctant to move from uh, them unless there's just, you know, significant amounts of money on the table or, you know, there's such public or media pressure for them where they have no place to, to go other than to uh, take that next step in their career. Uh, Jamal Charlo has, has options. And so, you know, Al Heyman has options. 
And so you're not going to see that fight at this hour. Now, certainly it does make a lot of sense with uh, Devon Chaco having to have somewhat of a connection with Al Heyman serving as his co-manager, if I'm not mistaken, to where, look, that is a fight that, that could be made if, if this doesn't happen with Canelo. But again, I go back to what, what, I, what I think. I think Devorchenko, if you ask him, is going to say, I want Canelo. I want to I test my greatness. I already have against Golovkin, and I'm pretty proud about the way that came out. Now I'd like to, even if it means moving up eight, eight more pounds, see what I can do about the, uh, against the face of boxing. So, I mean, look, this is, there, there's, some, there's some guys who think like Sergei Devorchenko. There's some guys who think like Jamal Charlo. And yep. they get what they get, and they deserve what they deserve. Well, I think the great thing with for Dragonchenko here is with him having offers on the table for both, he's going to make a decision fairly soon. I think this week, and either way, no one's going to be able to criticize him. Either way, he's going in deep into deep waters and taking on a tough fight. So I love it. Excited for that. We're going to get one big fight in September or October that we know that now. So let's assume for a second, Lance, that Dragonchenko goes the Charlo route. Who do you want to see Canelo fight then that we know is viable? Because we know Billy Joe Saunders is out, and I caught up with Callum Smith last week. I haven't, you know, I'm going to have a story this week on the Athletic. He okay. said he wants to fight Canelo. He was on the short list along with Billy Joe Saunders uh, last time around for May 2nd. He said he hasn't been contacted by anybody this time around. So if it's not going to be Billy Joe Saunders, and let's just say it's not going to be Callum Smith, then who is it going to be? And it's not going to be Callum Smith, you said? No, let's assume I'm saying, because he said he hasn't been contacted. If it's not going to be him, who is even left for Canelo to fight that we want to see? I mean, the options are rather limited, Mike. And honestly, to answer the question, I would say no one. Um, Callum Smith make, would make a lot of sense for Canelo if Devorchenko's not there. Um, you know, he's a, he holds a belt at, a, at 168 pounds. He's a DAZN fighter uh, with Eddie Hearn, and I think that the, th that's the ideal opponent for Canelo. But, you know, look, other than that, I mean, to answer the question, you know, that you've, you've asked is like, you know, there's really not a name that jumps out at me where I can say like, oh, you know, oh, I really want to see this or this would make sense. I mean, I, I guess you could say Demetrius Andre is available and still out there, but I'm supposed to be talking to him this week as well, and I guarantee – if you ask him the same thing, he's going to say, I haven't been contacted by Canelo's people either. So it just leaves such uh, small pickings. But I do, I do think that um, Canelo is actually behaving the way the face of boxing should behave. And by saying that, I'm talking about his willingness to, you know, in, in light of COVID-19, he's still willing to go out there and fight without fans on September 12th to give them their traditional Mexican Independence Day uh, a fight weekend with him headlining it. To me, that's a bold stroke, Mike. And I think that he deserves a lot of credit uh, for standing up and saying, you know, like, look, in light of uh, this, this, this day and time where we're not getting a lot of significant sporting events, I'm here for you. I'm going to step in the ring. And, you know, whether it's against Diverchenko, Callum Smith, or some lesser, lesser uh, opponent, I'm going to be um, taking my rightful place this weekend. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on Canelo saying that and being willing to do that? Well, for, for one, Canelo's in a different spot than everyone else because he's guaranteed $35 million with or without fans. Mm -hmm. And like you and I both know, he's going to be asked to take a pay cut. Whether he takes it or not is another matter. But 
you know, all, all the other guys in the sport aren't going to have that guaranteed purse. And, you know, Canelo deserves it. It's not like it's not charity, but it's just a different scenario. He doesn't need fans here to make, I mean, he would make more money with the fans, stands to make more, but he's still making a substantial amount either way. And I think he's probably antsy to get back into the ring. He hasn't fought since November of last year. So I think I think the shame of it is there are a lot of good opponents. They're just it doesn't seem like they're being explored. You know, um Dimitri Bival said he'd be willing to fight Canelo at 168, but I don't see that really going anywhere. What about Zerto Ramirez? I mean, this is a guy we haven't seen in the ring in a while, undefeated Mexican. Right. That could be interesting to me. Yeah, I just hope it's somebody we care about. Right. Bivolt seems like a good choice. And especially, you know, that goes back to the Devranchenko factor. This is a guy who's willing to come down to, to take on the, the greatest test of his career. So you, you, he deserves a lot of admiration for that. And honestly, I like Canelo in that fight. So um, if that's a name that Canelo wants to select, he definitely has the freedom to do so. I just don't know how well that name or even Sergey Devranchenko's name resonates th- throughout the mainstream audience. But boxing fans clearly know who these these guys are, and you know those names are are, are there at Canelo's disposal if he wants to uh, choose them. You know, look, Mike, I've been told that Canelo. And this is going to be an interesting thing to watch because I've been told that Canelo is willing to take a pay cut. That he's he's understanding of where the country, where the world is right now, and he does want to sort of uh, you know stand up there himself and say. I want to. I want to be good about this at at this at this hour, and um, you know, do the right thing. Do you think he should do that, or should he be holding uh, the zone and Golden Boy's feet to the fire and saying, "Pay me what you promised you were going to pay me," you know, uh, despite this? Look, they can only request him to do it. If he feels like you know it's the right thing to do, then he should do it. Um, if he doesn't want to do it, he shouldn't do it. I, I don't think he isn't. I don't think he's forced or entitled to do one thing or the other. So it's his decision. And But look, let's be real. I've, I've heard that if he's going to take a pay cut, and I haven't been told if he will, will or won't, that he's going to want to fight a lesser opponent. Uh, and no one would blame him. So if that's going to be the case, I would rather just see him make the full money and fight someone legit. Exactly. You know, look, the Rocky Fielding uh fight was basically a novelty fight for his entry uh and and de- debut on the zone but i don't think anyone wants to see that anymore and again that's going to raise the questions and and start drawing comparisons about roy jones jr long long contract with hbo where there was a slew of fights where people were dissatisfied with and it didn't do anyone involved any any favors so i let's hope that canelo um, he's doing the right thing. I, I believe that he's going to, uh, conti- to continue to do the right thing and select an opponent that is worthy. Hey, listeners, producer Cam here to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmer features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer, because we all know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to the perfect package to get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer, 
delivered to your door every three months. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. Um, Mike, let's move, move on to um, Canelo's stablemate, Ryan Garcia. He's got, a uh, at this point, a deadline that, he's, that is looming with the, the WBC about fighting Luke Campbell um, the, uh, from England, the, the former two-time lightweight title contender, title challenger. Um, a lot of people are, have, you know, have thoughts, some pretty strong thoughts about how good Ryan Garcia is. Definitely the test of Luke Campbell is going to prove a lot, um, about Ryan Garcia. What are, what do you know? You're in touch with his camp. You're in touch with, uh, so many parties connected to that fight. Do you think he's going to, in my opinion, do the right thing and fight Luke Campbell? I think it's more likely than not that he goes the Emmanuel Tigo route. Um, Monday morning, WBO ordered Ryan Garcia versus Emmanuel Tego as a final title eliminator to determine a number one contender for Lomachenko. So Tego, Tego's a top 10 lightweight. It would be the toughest opponent of Ryan's career that is connected to all this nonsense with the BC where they have Lomachenko as the franchise champion and Devin Haney as the, um, I guess, regular champion. And then they would be fighting for an interim title. I mean, I'm just so sick of all this ABC political nonsense with the sanctioning bodies with these deadlines they make up and, you know, I mean, look, Ryan Garcia with Campbell on its own is a very good fight. But do I think Cam- Ryan needs to take the fight right now because the WBC is making up some phony belt? No. So mm-hmm. I-, I do expect that he will go the Emmanuel Tego route if he's going to fight for one of those two guys. Um, and Campbell's a big step up. And it's not like Golden Boy has given Ryan anyone to fight to get him ready for Campbell. So he's going to go straight from fighting a guy like Francisco Fonseca all the way to an Olympic gold medalist who I thought beat Linares. Um, right. And a guy who hurt Lomachenko. I think, I think this is an even tougher fight than a Linares fight, personally. Let me say this. I'm going to call bullshit on this a little bit because, look, Ryan has been talking big time about wanting to fight the likes of Gervonta Davis and Devin Haney, right? So if he wants to be in position to fight Devin Haney, who it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of Devin's a young fighter, uh, you know, a new champion, someone who, that he has a uh, had an amateur rivalry with, uh, Ryan Garcia. It's a very sellable uh, fight from that standpoint. I mean, obviously, anything involving Ryan Garcia is. But, he, you know, he he's if he's not fearing any of these other guys, why is he going to fear Luke Campbell? You know, step in there, fight this guy. You've got a clear path to a shot that you have said you wanted. It's a, a, a in a disowned fight. Yeah, but, but against, that's my problem. Them. What? Why, why does Ryan Garcia need to comply with Mauricio Sulman and the WBC he to get a have, shot at Devin Haney, who's a, who's not even the full champion and a guy who fights on the zone like Ryan Garcia? They don't need he, the WBC to make this fight. He doesn't have to, but but you're telling me that he should fight Emmanuel Tego to get to Vasily Lomachenko, who would destroy him. I mean, this is no. You know, I, 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 I'm not saying he should fight Tego. I would rather see the Campbell fight. I'm just saying yeah. that I think he's more likely to go the Tego route, and and then you know, duck, it's, it's, and then duck Lomachenko. 
I mean, look, do I expect Ryan Garcia to fight Lomachenko next year? I certainly yeah. do not. So yes. you have a point there. I guess my issue here is, too, we have Ryan Garcia, who was being offered $250,000 for his July comeback fight. Yes. I mean, this guy has, I think he has the third most followers on Instagram and boxing. He's mm -hmm. one of the few needle movers in the sport. He has, I think, 6.6 .6 million followers there. Only 200000 less than Canelo. This guy's supposed to be fighting for peanuts? Why? No, he, he, you know, he's not. And he was right. And, he, you know, the, the fact that he took a stand and said, I want to fight, you know, quality fighters who are going to test me. I, I have all the admiration in the world for Ryan Garcia for, for taking that stand. But I believe that Luke Campbell provides not only that opportunity, but the opportunity to um, make some money on this fight. I mean, clearly he has to be satisfied with what the promoters, uh, his promoter, Golden Boy and Matchroom, will agree on uh, term-wise for that fight. And, you know, then it, it can also potentially go to purse bid where there's going to be a lot of interest and a lot of, um, you know, money in play for that bow. And I just think that, look, like I said before, if you're, if you're looking at, at scripting Ryan Garcia's career path, it just makes all the sense in the world. I'm, I actually believe in Ryan Garcia. I, I, I think that, you know, having seen those uh, two first-round knockouts, that this guy has the ability to give someone like Devin Haney a, a hell of a test, and he should he should go this road. And I I understand what you're saying. The WBC and sometimes the the um, the mandates that they have are, are utter nonsense, you know. And 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 fighters should not be beholden to that. But if you're looking at the two roads that he can go down, I just think that Luke Campbell defeat him. He you can win that fight, Ryan. And then go to Devin Haney, and you know he, you're with a great trainer in Eddie Reynoso. Get ready for that fight. Beat this guy too, and you're you're a world champion. Yes, it may be considered a secondary uh, champion, but you're right there in the conversation with uh, wearing a belt with all the all the guys that you want to take on. And then the world is at the taking for you. And I and I just hope that that Ryan does that. Um, it's going to be a very interesting week in his life, no doubt about it. Right, Mike. Yeah, we're going to monitor where this goes, and hopefully it ends up like Canelo with Ryan fighting somebody we want to see so we can start stacking this fall schedule. Um, we already have the zone schedule, Lance, that's been unveiled. There was a couple of fights there that we already you know, broke the news about, but, we, but let's go through it quick, right? We yeah. have Virgil Ortiz fighting Samuel Vargas on July 24th and Fantasy Springs. Um, you know, that fight doesn't really do much for me. Virgil Ortiz is a, is a great talent. But I can't see Samuel Vargas really testing him much. Can you? No, I can't. It's a complete showcase fight for Virgil Ortiz, which you know is is a is a good thing for Virgil. He's continuing to try to you know let people know just how good he is. And I think uh, this fight against Samuel Vargas is going to, going to further reveal that and continue to enhance his name. Again, the the issue with Virgil is being in that welterweight division. How is he going to get at any of the PBC guys or at Terrence Crawford? Um, can he break through or is he ultimately going to be forced um, to, you know, move up and wait? I know there's PBC guys waiting there too, but what is this guy going to do to ultimately mm -hmm. get, a, get a strap around his belt? Exactly. So then we have Julio Cesar Martinez, who, like Canelo and, Eddie, and Ryan Garcia, is trained by Eddie Reynoso. He's fighting Nick Williams Arroyo on August 15th. And that's going to be match from USA's return on the zone. Um, I think it's a fun fight, but it definitely has some like HBO Tom Loeffler uh, 
feels <laughs> to it, right? Yes. We have a so it's a it's a hundred and twelve pounds title fight in the main event with Cecilia Breakus in the co-main. So um, it, it doesn't excite me. That, I mean, I I, I'm, I like the fight between between Arroyo and Martinez, but it doesn't really make you like get excited where you're going to circle it on your calendar. Obviously, I mean, it would have been a better co-feature, and this was originally the slot for Maury Soaker versus Regis Program before that fell apart. Yes, and not to talk like a promoter, Mike, at all, but the one thing about McWilliams Arroyo is that he definitely comes to fight each time you put him in the ring. And so do I think he'll win that fight? No, but I think it'll be entertaining, and it's going to be uh, far more entertaining than the, some of the stuff that we've, we've seen from top rank at ESPN. I know we'll talk about that. In well, that's for sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, look, I think that it's, uh, uh, Martinez is definitely an entertaining fighter, and to have someone like McWilliams Arroyo in there, um, you know, this Puerto Rican who's not going to back down uh, from anyone. And we've seen him, you know, against the likes of, uh, you know, all the, all the good fighters in that, in that weight class. I think that's, it's going to have uh, some pretty strong entertainment value. But like you said, with Martinez uh, standing as the clear front, uh, first choice. And then uh, on August 28th on zone. And wasn't it nice to get the, uh, a schedule of some, uh, some sort emailed to us this, this, this past week, Mike? You got Jorge Linares and Javier Fortuna, a great lightweight fight on August 28th. Oh, I, I love that fight. That, that's a tremendous fight. 50-50 uh, matchup. You know, a cr- real crossroads where the loser is going to have a hard time coming back. You know, but great matchup. And my point on Martinez and Arroyo, just to come back to that for a second. Yeah is that would have been a great co-feature to Progray versus Hooker. Now, I understand that it's not anyone's fault that Progray Hooker fell apart. I mean, it's not the network's fault. It's not Eddie Hearn's fault. But it's just a bit of a letdown when that was the original main event. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's, uh, it is an unfortunate thing. I mean, we've had, we've had several hits um, to, you know, the, to the fight schedule that, is, that has been um, sent out here this summer uh, for top rank. But, you know, in addition to those cancellations that that top rank has suffered through, they've had some pretty awful ratings, Mike. And it's to the point where, you know, you ask yourself, does top rank, I mean, they've done so much work to stage these events. Do you think that top rank regrets, um, you know, making these fights just because of the way that they've been received and, and, and their um, sub, substandard quality? I don't know if Top Rank regrets it, or at least they haven't admitted it, but I think they should regret it. Um, I mean, you know, I, listen, it's, <laughs> well it's, it's, it's a tremendous undertaking, just dealing with the COVID protocol alone, to have these fights go forward. So I give them a lot of credit there. I know their COO, Brad Jacobs, has done an amazing job making mm-hmm. sure these events go forward uh, safe and healthy for everyone. But from the other standpoint of actually delivering ratings and delivering entertainment, I mean, there's just myriad issues, right, Lance, from a television standpoint. The, the, the telecasts are far too long, about four hours long. And we're watching fights that usually aren't even – they might not even make it onto the, the undercard, the off-TV undercards of these top-ranked events, right? I but know, now that they have I to know. squeeze in so many fights in a week, we're watching just absolute club fights sometimes on, the, you know, on these telecasts. Um, the programming just kind of drags. It, it's a bit – and I, look, I don't want to blame the top rank entirely. They've had a lot of bad luck here because the July schedule was looking a lot better than June. And I think a lot of that had to do with fighters being ready. So 
in July alone, they were supposed to go with Oscar Rivas versus Carlos Tackham, which I thought was a great, great heavyweight fight. Rivas got hurt. They lost that one. Ivan Baranchek versus Jose Zapata. Two great top fight. 10 140 uh, pounders. Great fight. Baranchek served as a rib injury. He's out. Um, then you have, uh, which, which is my favorite fight on the top ranked schedule for the summer, Leader Alvarez and Joe Smith in a light heavyweight title eliminator. And then Alvarez suffers a shoulder injury. He's out. Uh, and then there's, a, and then of course, we have the Drill Miller versus Jerry Forrest fight. And Drill Miller tests positive for banned substance, and he's out. So I can't give top rank, um, you know, I, I have sympathy for them. They had all, like, four good fights right there fall out right, through no fault of their own. But what they're trying to do here with two shows a week, every single week, um, I know they're trying to help out ESPN as well with giving them some live programming, but I just think it's, I don't know how good it's been for boxing. Yeah. I mean, the hope is Mike, that the, the quality of these fights, uh, you know, so, some of these will turn into some real slug fest. And I know that there has been some along the way, we've seen some really, some like highlight reel knockouts and everything like that. But, you know, as we've seen some of those fights in Mexico with, uh, 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 Miguel Burchelt, the super featherweight champion, and then and then the uh, super bantamweight champion, oh, Manuel Navarrete. I mean, both of these guys are are great fighters that I know that fight fans would enjoy seeing, but they were just matched so poorly by you know top ranked Mexican partner uh, Zanfer Promotions that you know look we were really kind of left they were kind of left with egg on their face over those fight cards and it's it, it's a real shame um, you know look. No one's rooting against them. I think, like you said, everyone appreciates that they at least worked to get the fights back on TV, and they did a hell of a job doing so. But let's hope that the quality uh, improves as we head to, you know, really their coming showcase fights, uh, particularly Tiafima Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko in September. Yeah, yeah and look, I'm with you. Absolutely, Top Rank deserves credit because they're the only ones even going right now in the U.S. So that alone um, deserves recognition. But I just wonder what it's doing to boxing. Maybe there's a lot of fans that are watching boxing right now because nothing else is on. And these are the fights they're getting. Are they going to want to come back when the fights are good? I'm not so sure. I mean, you pointed to the ratings earlier. I believe last Tuesday's telecast didn't even crack 300,000 for the average viewership, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. wow. So either way, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the average viewership have been around 300, a little above 300, a little below 400. And I'm sure much of that is due to these long four-hour blocks because you're not going to be able to keep people on for four hours. But uh, it's just disheartening, and I hope things get better there. Uh, look, it's, we don't want to single out top rank. Certainly, PBC has made some very poor Fox matchups, even without the pandemic. So um, I don't know, Lance. What do, what do you think is the, is the solution going forward? Well, I just think that, look, I mean, it, it comes, it's going to come down to, again, money. And it's going to come down to the willingness of some of the fighters, you know, like what we're seeing with the UFC uh, this week, right? Mike, with the announcement of the Camaro Usman, George Masvidal fight on very short notice, why can't that happen in boxing? I mean, why, why does UFC have to uh, be, why is UFC any different? And what is preventing the powers that be in the sport and the, and the fighters who are upper crust from stepping in there and saying, I'm not afraid to, to take on a loss, you know, as long as I'm getting uh, paid and as, and as long as, uh, I, you know, I know that 
the uh, the fans who follow the sport know who I am, and they're going to be willing to watch uh, if I'm in the ring, you know. And, and to me, that's the that's the real crux of of the problem that's that's facing the sport. They need to, you know, look across the aisle, so to speak, and see what's happening at, at UFC headquarters, and say, like, look, this is what this is what the uh, RMO should be as well. When we have these openings, we need to strike for the sake of the sport. Yeah, I think it's a culture problem in boxing. I think it stems from I think it bleeds through from, you know, us as the media to the networks, to the promoters, the managers, the fighters, where like you said, a loss is demonized. And we just need to do a better job changing that culture. And I think, you know, the guy we mentioned a lot earlier, Sergei Dragonchenko, is proof of that. This guy has lost his only two title fights and he's still getting paid big money and still mm-hmm. getting the big fights because he always brings it. Yes, it's you know it's a problem with uh, some of these guys who have got paid significant money for fights that were, let's be honest, walkovers, and now these guys are kind of sitting there fat and happy, lying in their famed uh, you know satin sheets, as uh, Marvin Hagler famously uh, pointed <laughs> to years ago, and saying like you know let me let me know when uh, when the big money is available. I'm concerned about myself. I'm not concerned about the sport. And that's what, it, that's what seems to be reeking from boxing right now. Absolutely, Lance. And hopefully when we're back next week, we're going to have some more concrete details on what fights are actually made or being finalized rather than speculating. And hopefully it's the ones we want to see. But that's our show for today. And if, you're, if you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps make sure that this podcast continues and shows like it. And we hope you'll read Lance and I uh, on The Athletic. And if you aren't a a subscriber, you can get 40% off of a first-year subscription if you visit theathletic.com forward slash hug and pop, all one word. Thanks again, and see you all next time.